You know, the temptation right now is to just uh, stop, just start ministering. Uh, and, but I'll be honest with you, God is calling forth for instruction to come forth. And, uh, you know, Paula and I just, uh, Paula right now, she's in uh, Alabama. Her mother had surgery. She, her mother was here last week. And the first day back, her mother fell and broke her kneecap. And uh, so Paula went back there to, to help her dad take care of her mom. Um, but uh, but bef- also in that time frame, Paula and I had the Max and Francis for like just about three weeks. Shay and Lila were making a movie down in Georgia, um, filming, and Lila, they had offered Lila a job. So, you know, Paula and I kind of cheat and take every opportunity we can have the grandbabies. And also then Shay and Lila had vacation planned and they took off to Iceland. And so, so that just gave us an opportunity to keep the kids for the better part of three weeks. And, uh, you know, there's the really special things that, that we would do with the kids. One of the things that, uh, that probably since Max was a baby that I've always done with them is I'd put them on our either the six-wheeler or four-wheeler ATV that we have in the, in the we use on the property. You know, for years, Max, all I would do is just hold Max in my lap because he was just, you know, he's just a baby and uh, just ride him around. And he would just, if he heard the, heard the, heard, heard the six-wheeler or the four-wheeler cranking up, he'd just come running. You know, he just got to be on that along with the dogs. And, uh, but anyway, what's really cool, been cool this time is, is that Max is, he's four. Um, and so he'll get in my lap. And now he's starting to drive. Now, I mean, <laughs> let me qualify that. But it's really cool. He's starting to learn how to steer it. And then uh, he gets fully preoccupied with other things, and he's just looking, and of course, you know, and I'm there. But it's really cool for my heart for to see this transition with Max and I, that where Max is participating in me and riding around in this four-wheeler. It's just a treasure to me to ride around with my grandson and, and granddaughter. And, uh, and so it's just an awesome thing. And, you know, I just can't help but think about it. It's just like that for us with our Heavenly Father in the kingdom of God. For him, you know, me, this is the four-wheeler is not my greatest treasure, you know. But for our Heavenly Father, the kingdom of heaven is. One of his greatest treasures of which we're all a part of. And he says to us, you participate with me. In fact, today we're going to talk about that very thing. And some of the things that we're going on today is God's invitation to us to participate in the kingdom of heaven. In the declaration, your kingdom come. What does all of that mean? Because, y'all... Our thought is there's many different theological mindsets of how we do this thing. We're do it on our own. In other words, we're four years old and we have to drive the six-wheeler on our own. Or, or we just get in the four-wheeler, the six-wheeler. I've got both, a four-wheeler and a six-wheeler. It's, six-wheeler had died, but I got it repaired. But, but, uh, so uh, we just get in there and he drives us in this life. And whatever happens... It's whatever happens. The reality is I think God is calling us to say, no, no, I want you to get with me and let's drive it together. Let's take this thing. And so that's what today's about. Last week I introduced something about the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, God's presence. God, the kingdom of God is power. And the thing that we're coming up in a couple of weeks, we got this conference coming up uh, where it's just really just God's presence. It's all it's about. And our heart in this body is to see the power of God come. And the kingdom of God is it. Y'all, we cannot get distracted to other things. Everything comes under, under the umbrella of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, God's country, God's way, God himself, how he does things. And for years, I would try to operate things as a representative of the kingdom of God outside the kingdom of God. And I would get frustrated why things would not be happening in and around my life. That, but God's been showing me in recent years, Rick, 
I want you to flow and operate out of the depths and the midst of my kingdom, me. And the reality was is that that is what, how the disciples operated. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, where the disciples went, went about preaching, and Jesus has says, he worked together with them, confirming their words with signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, following where the disciples, after Peter and John had been beaten, and, uh, and they were released, and they're headed back to the, the room that gets shaken. All of a sudden, they're, they get there, and they pray this prayer. Hear this. This is so awesome to me to hear this. He says, uh, Lord, take note of their threats. Grant that thy bondservants may speak the word with all confidence while you do extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place. In other words, we speak, we go, he does. For some reason, we think that healing and deliverance and ministry all got to do with us doing it. No, no, no. We go and we partner with them. Like in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where Paul's rebuking the Galatian Christians for thinking about you know, getting tangled back under the works of the law. And he says, this I want to find out from you. Does he do miracles among you by works of the law? In other words, okay, if I can just figure out how to do it and do it right. Does he do it by works of the law or hearing with faith? Hearing with faith. He speaks, we act, he does. Like an Oreo cookie. We're the white stuff. He speaks, we respond, he does. That's a pretty good thing to do. Kingdom Oreos. That's right. It's all about him. The kingdom of God showing up in places in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, and in this world. Now, the reality is the kingdom of God, we've said this before, the kingdom of God in fullness is a future reality. Like in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where it says, when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord in Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You read Psalm 2, no, Psalm 2, Psalm 2, yeah, Psalm 2, where it talks about, you know, why do the nations in an uproar and the kings of earth, uh, you know, divide, no, I've got it backwards, but anyway, they don't understand that the Lord has declared his king is in Zion, in his holy mountain. There is a future reality that the reign of our most high God is coming. In this, when his kingdom comes, the reality of physical healing has full manifestation. No more limitations on healing. When the last trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are arise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up together with him in, in the clouds in 1 Thessalonians. But in 1, Thess 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us at that time, that which is immortal Immortal shall take on immortality. That which is perishable shall become perishable. Because why? And, and like in Romans chapter 6, Paul describes our bodies as mortal. These mortal bodies. But when the kingdom fully manifests, that which is mortal takes on immortality. That's the fullness of the kingdom and the future reality. Presently, the kingdom does exist. Read in Hebrews chapter 12. You have it in your notes there where it talks about, we have not come to a mountain, you know, where it shakes and where the people in Israel and the Jews said, you know, you go Moses. But it says we come to a Mount Zion, you know, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, there's a time that that heavenly Jerusalem comes out of heaven to earth, and we know we've talked about that before, a city 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high. Wow. But that's just a city. That's not the rest of creation. That's the city of the living God, fully manifesting in future event. 
But it exists now in heaven, in the spirit. That's why we pray, our Father, what? Who art in heaven. And so, and also now the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God exists in us. In us. Jesus said when the Pharisees were around him and they were pushing him in Luke chapter 17 and they're pushing is the kingdom of God coming now? Is it coming? And he said, no, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. For the kingdom of God is within you. See, they were looking for the externals because it's very important to understand the processes of God because that which God does will always begin in the spirit then manifest into the physical. And in this age, the kingdom, the rule and reign of God exists in the spiritual realm. Now, y'all, that does not make it less. That just is telling us that which is physical is temporary because that which is seen is temporary, but that which is not seen is what? Eternal in the heavens. So this kingdom to come, the kingdom now in the spirit, in us and in heaven, but there's a big but. Look with me real quick. Don't lose sight of Hebrews, I mean, Matthew. But go to Hebrews chapter, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Because here's the reality, and I don't understand this totally, but here's the crazy thing is, you know this, our God is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Our God does not operate in time. Problem is, we do. You know, we've talked about this many times before, that how that which is has already been. For God seeks that which has already passed by. I don't know how he does that, but that's time. That's, that's eternity. God just goes back and forth. Because why? The best way I can picture it is, is we're, we're living life in a parade. And he's in a helicopter over the parade, and he sees the beginning from the end. In fact... He's big. He's in the beginning and the end. Or it's like us standing over at Ant Mound. And all the ants are scurrying around. They're trying to get one side to the other. And we're standing over it. And we're on all sides of the Ant Mound. You know, we're over all of it. Oh, okay. I see where you're trying to go. You don't want to go that way. In fact, I've done that before. You've ever done that? You see, watching an ant or something, you start feeling sorry for them because they're trying to get somewhere with something. And you go, you don't want that. Let me help you. I really have. I've done that. <laughs> Got to feel sorry for the guy because he's, he's struggling, pulling something, and he don't know what he's about to hit. He's like pulling some food. And he's going back to his nest, but he don't know there's the Grand Canyon right on the other side of where he's going. But that's so much like us. We're going, we're pulling, we're straining, we're going somewhere, and, and God's going, uh, excuse me, you don't want to go there? I've already been there. I know what's there. So let me tell you, don't go there. That what you're trying to get, I know where that goes. Let me give you something else. So anyway. But notice this in Hebrews chapter 6. This statement, it's, a, it's right in the middle of a rebuke on something, but there's something important here in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. For in the case of those who have been once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted of the good word of God, and notice this, and the powers of the age to come. Whoa. Here's people. Now, this is what he's telling. The people here, this is an extreme group of people. This is that he's talking about here. The warning for these people is not too light. But he's talking about something here of the possibility I want to focus on. Tasted the powers of the age to come. In other words, that which will manifest here can come back and be where we are now. We're drawing it back. But here's the crazy thing. We're drawing from past the cross... And we're drawing from the future back into where we are now. That's crazy to think about. But y'all, there's an imitation there. 
tasted of the powers of the age to come. Let me give you an example of it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, if you would turn me there. Today's Bible drills, so, you know, sometimes we can get lazy coming here if we have PowerPoint. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there are some of you who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and his brother and brought them to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Y'all, that's the description of Revelation chapter uh, 2 of Jesus. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. The kingdom of God manifesting itself with Peter and John, James and John. That which will be, Jesus' state which he will be, comes back and manifests now. Now here's an important thing to say about this. As soon as Peter started running his mouth and started trying to uh, say, hey, can, it's good for us to be here. Luke tells you in Luke chapter 8 that... Uh, Peter didn't know what he was saying, which was obvious. And there's so many times that's been so true to me when God's showing up and I really don't know what I'm saying. And it's best for me to just shut up. But interesting thing that when Peter started speaking, guess what? Jesus what? All of a sudden, Jesus was just like he was before. So what's the deal? See, in other words, y'all, until the fullness of the kingdom comes and manifests here, the transformation that occurs here is temporary. Every person where the king, Jesus says, where Jesus and disciples went out, that was the kingdom of God. Jesus was the king. He was the kingdom. He was saying kingdom of God is here. It's near. It's here. He was there. And so... But every person Jesus healed, guess what? They what? They died. There's not this some special city somewhere that where all these people that Jesus healed now live. It's not like, uh, you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Last Crusade, the dude who found, ate the, drank out of the Holy Grail, you know, and all of a sudden he's, he don't look too good, but he's been living forever. You know, and he's hanging out there. There's not a place like that. Because all the kingdom of God manifesting here, I don't understand this totally, comes, brings life, witnesses of that which will be in the future. But then it, at time, it effects pass away. But there's a time its effects will not pass away in the physical. We're talking about in the physical, not in the spirit or in the soulish. So anyway, what I'm, ask, what I'm asking is, is showing here, when we say your kingdom come, what we're asking is, is we're wanting to taste the powers of the age to come. Would y'all like to do that? You like that, Jim? Powers of the age come. Not unless you're satisfied here. That's cool. You can stay here if you want. I mean, you're satisfied with what you're tasting here. I'm sorry. I've tasted this and I'm going, you know, this is not what I want. But I want it, uh, and I want him wherever. So, anyway, so any, anyway, go with me to Matthew chapter 16. You're already reading in Matthew. Yeah, we are 16, but I want you to look at Matthew 16, 18. And something is huge, 18, 19, and he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not, shall not overpower it. In other words, it's the church's destiny is to bust down the gates of Hades. It's not Hades coming against us, it's us coming against Hades. Amen. And and we're literally go there, and Hades is a place of the dead. And what we're doing is we're taking people out, the dead people out of that spot. 
That's the destiny of the church. To stand on the gates of Hades. This is not hell, this is Hades. But notice in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Ah, the keys, the keys. Max loves driving a six-wheeler. And you know what? To that six-wheeler and that four-wheeler, there are what? Keys. There are keys. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? You know, it's like the time dad says, okay, you can take the car. That's a, that's a huge leap of faith. Have you, you got your license, didn't you? Not yet working on it. There'll be a day when she says, Dad, give me the keys. <laughs> give me the keys. Mitch is going to go, what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> no, he trusts, he trusts Kaylee. But I know that there's that time. I remember the time when Shay and Michelle, Shay's going, can I have the keys to the car? Um, uh, can I pray about it? Let me. But our Heavenly Father turned around and he says, no, 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 here you go. I gave you the keys. I want you to participate with me. Let's drive this thing. The gates of Hades cannot stand up against it. In fact, maybe the thing is the kingdom of God is like an armored tank. M1 Abrams tank. Come on, take it. I've got the keys. Come on. What are the keys? I mean, because if I hand you these keys, you go, well, Harketh, there's keys. There's car key. But there's house keys. There are keys of the church. There's keys that I don't know what are here, (laughs) what they're to. But so they're keys. And what are they? What are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? They crank it up and release it. What are they? Well, it's in the verse. It tells us. Whatever you shall loose on earth, it shall be, having already been loosed. Is it loose first or binding first? I already get it mixed up. Bind. Whatever you shall bind, it shall be, having already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it shall be, having already been bound in heaven. I was teaching this last Tuesday a little bit, and, and Shane comes up to me and says, Rick, my Bible don't say what you were saying. I'm saying, that's right. Okay, that's part of the problem with the English translation here. In that one verse, in verse 19, there's seven verbs, six, in relationship to the the phrases binding and loosening. Three verbs in relationship to binding, three verbs in relationship to loosening. They're same verbs, just different in the same tenses. And you've heard me say this before, but let me repeat it. The first verb is, whatever you shall bind and whatever you shall loose. And we'll talk about what that is here in a second. Bind or loose. And some Christians, they go, they're praying binding when they should be loosening, and they're loosening when they should bind. So what is that? You know, so what is, what is binding and loosening? But let me just lay these out first. Um, now maybe I better do this first. What is loosening? Uh, loosening, and you'll see in... In John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where Jesus, it says about Jesus, for the Son of Man appeared for this purpose that he, English says, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the only place in the New Testament that Greek word luo is used in relationship to destroy. The more accurate translation, which I'll be honest with you, this Greek verb here, luo, is the word that we use in my Greek, in, my, in every, just about every Greek uh, grammar that where you... I always get this mixed up. Conjugate verbs? Yeah, conjugate verbs. Luo, luai, luhes, you know. So in other words, you're putting all the first, first, you know, first person singular, first, second person singular, you know, all those, you say those out. This Greek word luo is it. And it means to loosen. So when it says that Jesus came to loosen the works of the devil... Well, what is that? Just three verses before it tells you that Jesus came to do away with sin. What is the works of the devil is what? Sin. The work of the devil is sin. Because the wages of sin is what? Death. 
And so his old goal is to get us to enter into sin. If he does, he binds us up. He enslaves us. It gives him legal rights to torment us in many different ways. But Jesus came to loosen us from those effects. So when you see loosen, it's, it's to set us free. And, and, and the cool place is one of the ways. It amazes me. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's what? But just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness. It continually amazes that me. I can, I can pray over somebody. In the name of Jesus, I command such and such spirit to come attention. This spirit manifests itself. And you go, okay, Lord, what's the legal right here? And the Lord reveals the legal right. And God gives this legal right. And the person confesses it. And, they, and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit to be gone. And it goes. If there's more legal rights, you know what? It doesn't what? Go. And it's just so cool. You can just go right down the line and find every way that Satan was trying to enslave that person. It's so cool. It's so absolute. The loosening effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just setting us free from the effects of sin. Or how about demonic spirits? Like in Luke chapter 13 to the woman who had been bound for 18 long years by a demonic spirit. Could not straighten up. Bent over. So you just, you know, you just declare in Jesus' name. Person be freed, be loosed when you deal with the legal rights. Free. So loosening sets us free from the effects of sin or demonic enslavement or anything that is binding you up. Now when it says here, whatever you shall bind, it shall be having already been bound in heaven. What is binding for? And if you'll notice in your notes there, I just sort of put a summary statement there. To establish obligation or legal decree. You notice the, the Romans 7, 2 passage and the 1 Corinthians 7 passage. It literally is that where when somebody is married, when Mitch said, I do to Leah, and they entered into an intimate relationship with one another, Mitch suddenly became bound to Leah. And as long as he lives... He's bound to her. Right. And that's what you'll notice that passage in Romans 7 will tell. Bound. You're married, you're bound to somebody. That's not, that's not negative, that's good. But you can also, like you'll notice in the, your notes there in Acts chapter 23, what you can do is when you, when you establish an oath, like these guys here, they said, we will not eat until we bind ourselves with an oath that we will not eat or, they say, or drink, okay, eat until we kill Paul. They bound themselves with an oath. When they do that, they didn't do a good job on that. And I'm sure there were some things that took serious physical consequences in their lives. Huh? Eat and drink. So whenever... Whenever you make a verbalization, you bind yourself. Now, here's the catch. One thing we don't do in dwelling place are commitments or oaths or vows. Because you read in, in, in uh, uh, Matthew 6, or 7, 6, and also Matthew 23, when you make a vow about something, you establish a debt on it to fulfill it. And whatever vow or oath that you use is the source that that oath is coming, the resource is coming to fill that, fulfill that vow or oath. When a person says, oh Lord, I'll already serve you. I, give, I promise I'll serve you. Okay? So they bind themselves to what? Serve the Lord. They, they're, gonna, they're bound to that. When they make that oath, they make that vow, they bind themselves to that. The problem is, what's the source they're going to draw on to fulfill that? Themselves. That's why in Scripture, the thing is not vows, oaths, commitments. The, the, the major term is used 
is confession. Because confession means speak the same thing. What you want to speak the same thing as what? God's word. Now, y'all, I ask y'all, we confessed in here, thy kingdom come. Who said that? Huh? Jesus did. So what were we doing? We were confessing what he was saying about him. That's pretty safe. Because where's the, where's the resource coming out of that? Him. Now, Lord, you got me in this. You fulfill it. You cause the debt. That's like me saying, Mitch, I want you to go somewhere and uh, you know, feed a bunch of people. Now, he's done this before. But go, go feed them. But I've got the debt. i got the bill. Now, Mitch goes, does it? I pay the bill. It's not on him. He's just obeying us. He's just not obeying. I mean, but he's just submitting and going and fulfilling what I've asked him to go do. I'm paying the bill. God says, you go to a place, just confess what I say, boom. So binding is establishing an obligation or legal decree over yourself, over there where you have authority. When we do children's uh, baby dedications, what do we do? What we do is we take each one of these kids and we have a series of passages of scriptures that each of the parents declare over their kids. And, you've, and so what? It's not the parents are going, okay, we promise to do this and our kids will do that. Boy, if they started confessing that stuff, you're talking about what, what you're doing is temptation. I mean, it's not that it's, quote, I mean, it's just going to get you tempted. And I just, you know, that's why Jesus said, do not lead us into what? Temptation. If you like being tempted and words being tested and tried before their time, just say it all you want to because it's going to be tested. I'd just rather it be powerfully tested. You can also bind to loosen. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 29, it says the strong man, you come and you bind the strong man and then you distribute all his armor in which he's relied. Now, if you're ever in a situation, all of a sudden somebody's manifesting and it's kind of ugly, you know, in demonic spirits, y'all, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall what? Lay hands on the sick and they will do what? Cast out. So if you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, your destiny is to cast out demons. It's not like the exorcist, you know. In other words, you got to do all kind of crazy stuff. No. Just do Jesus. When in doubt, <laughs> cast it out. <laughs> Yeah, I started that one. Just use Jesus. Just use Jesus. Uh, you know, sometimes we're in the intern's class and they'll go, I'll ask them a question and they just go, Jesus. Yeah. So you want to look for an answer, you don't know the answer, just say Jesus. But there's times if this spirit manifests itself, y'all, you just go, okay, in the name of Jesus, I bind this spirit. Shut up. I bind it. And then you deal with the, the armor in which it's relied. Find the legal rights, deal with them, and then set the person free. Loosen them. So you can bind a spirit up, but the main function of binding is, you see in the Word of God, is to establish an obligation or a legal decree. So whatever you shall loose on earth, it shall be. Now let me just share this with you real quick. Now follow me here, and I'm sorry... This kind of sounds weird, but this is important to catch. In the Greek, I said to you, like, bind. There's three verbs used in the phrase there. Loosen. There's three verbs. Okay? Whatever you shall bind, whatever you shall loosen. Okay? Let's just do them at the same time. The interesting thing about that, that verb there is called, it's called a present subjunctive. It means, when you see subjunctive at the end, the mode, it tells you that it's potential. In other words, whatever you shall bind. So in other words, tiny Scott has the choice. Whatever he binds. Whatever he loosens. If he don't want to loosen it, if he don't want to bind it, guess what? It's not going to be done. That's the, that's the power of a subjunctive. The choice. 
Interesting thing, whatever you shall bind, and you don't see this in English, it will be. The interesting thing about that verb, it's a future tense verb. So if tiny binds something, guess what? It will be. It's, a, it's called a future indicative. In other words, it's going to be done. So whatever tiny binds, it will be. I don't wonder about whenever I, when I bind a spirit, will it obey me? I, I bind it, I expect it to be bound. If we loosen something, I do not wonder. If somebody confesses a sin, I do not wonder whether it will be gone. That is the cool thing about the gospel. It is sure. So whatever you bind or loose, it will be. Now, here's the interesting part of this sequence. Whatever you shall bind, potential, it will be, future tense. Having already been bound in heaven. Now, here's the crazy thing. Christians operate off past time and future. Don't get stuck in the now. Because God wrote in his word, salvation. Give you an example. When did God declare over you that your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life? When? Before the foundations of the world. So God bound you to salvation before the foundations of the world. So guess what? So your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now we know Revelation 3, 5 says... He who overcomes, in no way will his name be blotted out. Names are not written in. You've heard me say it before. Names are blotted out. Who is it that overcomes? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You don't believe, names blotted out. That's why, let me just establish this. Children, you have to have a child. Guess what? Don't wonder whether they go to heaven or hell. What? They always go to heaven. Why? Because why? Their names are written. The only time it would even be considered to be blotted out is if they could have the capacity to not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Just for a little rabbit trail there. Where was I at? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because God declared your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. Jesus, Revelations 13, 8, died on the cross before the foundations of the world. So all of a sudden, guess what? It was done in past time, and you say, okay, I come in agreement with that. I bind myself with this. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead. I bind that to me. Guess what I get? Saved. That's all it is. I'm taking what was done in past time, I bind it into me right now, and I'm saved. Keys. Guess what, y'all? I got the brand new, any man in Christ, he's a what? New creation. I got the brand new in Christ Jesus, Rick Sizemore. Hallelujah. Come and buy it right now, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> Equipped with awesome radio, stereo sound from heaven, you know, whatever, you know. I could, you could go, somebody, got a, somebody could do a really, Rob, you would do a good commercial on that one, brother. Let it come up, bro. <laughs> so anyway, so you're catching it. The keys of the kingdom of heaven are real simple. Binding and loosening. Taking, taking what God has already bound and binding it into your life. Taking where Jesus has paid the price to loosen you and, and releasing it into your life. Or even over what you have authority in children and whatever. Those are the keys. But, my question is, and the important thing for us to establish this morning, a couple of times, Max has got a hold of the keys to the six-wheeler or the four-wheeler. He got a hold of the keys. He watched me enough to do something, to go try to put it in there. And I came up just at the last moment when he was... But he doesn't know. Don't let anybody tell him. <laughs> but when you put the key in and you turn it, you've got to make the brake. Thank God he's not tall enough for that right now to do both. 
Because if he knew how to crank, use the keys, he could start the four-wheeler, the six-wheeler, right? So you can have the keys, but how do you use the keys? And let me just warn you about this. These keys to this vehicle are powerful. Now, I had uh, the old six-wheeler. I had many of y'all who, when you come out to the property, you would ride it. And it was powerful. It was good for pulling stuff around. You'd mash the gas, and it could, you know, could go. But this other one that I just bought, when this thing, when it died, the six-wheeler died and got resurrected, before it got resurrected. But I have to have something on property for that thing. But so anyway, I bought this thing. This thing's scary. Seriously. It can, it's, got a, it's got a speedometer on it that registers 120. I know it can't go there. But it does. The other day, I was, nobody was with me. And I said, I'm just going to mash the gas on this thing. And I ma- I, it was only for like a second. Because I mashed the gas. And it go, And it scared. It did. It scared me. Because uh, it can fly. Well, you know what? I just want to say this. The keys of the kingdom of heaven are powerful. When you use them, you want to know how to use them. Y'all remember me telling you about the friend of mine who's got a hold of some keys of the kingdom of heaven, and he didn't know how to use it, and he caused problems? You remember the friend of mine who had the neighbor who had a dog? You remember that? Where he's there, and... On his back porch one night, and the neighbor's dog down there, they live in an apartment. He and Kim lived in an apartment down below, and they had a, a dog, and the dog was barking in the middle of the night. Daryl got tired of the dog. Daryl's crazy. He operated in the power of God. But Daryl goes down. He goes on the back porch overlooking where the dog was at, and he goes, I curse you, dog, in Jesus' name. He did. did. He turned around, and he went inside. And he comes back. I mean, he goes, goes to bed. Because they were asleep. Dog was quiet. Kim goes out on the back deck the next morning and he's out there and she's looking, you know, doing something on her back, her back porch. And he looks down, she can see the neighbor, a precious little lady down there, and she's crying. And Kim goes, You know, excuse me, ma'am, uh, are you okay? And she goes, Yeah, no. And Kim goes, What's going on? She says, My dog died last night. So, I mean, so we're talking about using keys. And so, be careful. And that's why God says how to use. And go with me to Matthew chapter 18. What time is it? Man, it's time to go. Ah, Jesus. Matthew 18. I told you you got keys. Better tell you how to use them. Real quick. Matthew chapter 18, verse verse 18. Here's the keys. Truly I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There it is. There's the keys. But then notice what he says. Two very important things. How do you use the keys? If any two agree concerning anything, it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven. What is that? If any two, I'm sorry, if any two agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Two very massive things. I, I promise y'all, I have been looking at these two passages of Scripture. I know I've probably looked at these passages of Scripture 10,000 times in the last two months, saying, okay, God, what's here? And the Lord starts speaking to me. And um, do we keep going? I, I don't know if I can keep going. Huh? Yeah. Keep going? Okay. If you go, you got to go. I understand 100%. Let me speak these. Look at verse 19. How do you use it? Again, I say to you, literally, again, amen, which comes down from verse 18. Again, amen, I say to you, if two agree on earth, on earth, because why? Your heavenly father is where? In heaven. On earth. You know why earth is significant? Because you've got authority. You live here. You've got authority. 
Where you live, you got authority. You live on the earth, so guess what? You have authority to do it. So whatever you, any two on earth agree. Okay, here's a really crazy thing about this. That Greek word for agree, it, it's, there's a number of different words that have to do with like, you know, Mitch and I being in agreement. But the interesting thing about this thing, and you'll see in our notes here, what we want to be is in agreement with heaven regards to actions and sources. But notice what I say here, agreement in symphonic agreement of heaven. You know the Greek word there for agree is the Greek word symphaeo, symphony. Jared Hill and I were at the, uh, we were at Tangent one day, and I just tell him, man, I've been really just been focused on this past scripture, and what in the world does it mean? And he goes, man, Rick, let me show you something. Let me just show you something. So he pulls out his cell phone, and he, and he opens it up to this thing about the United States Air Force uh, band at the Smithsonian Institute. He did a flash mob thing. So one guy goes out, puts up a seat, and he takes a violin or a cello. It's a big something. So is that a cello, Ingrid? And he just starts playing. You know, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And he starts playing. And all of a sudden, the people will start, you know, What's this guy starting? But, you know, he had a uniform on. And he's just playing right there in the middle of Smithsonian. So he's playing. All of a sudden, somebody comes up with another instrument. Somebody else comes up with another instrument. Somebody else comes up with another instrument. Next thing you know, the conductor comes out. They salute. People salute him, release into him the baton. And so he starts his thing, and he starts pointing to certain things. Next thing you know, there's this symphony playing. You know what song they're singing? And I don't know what the prelude of it is, but the, the, the one they ended up at was Joy to the World. I'm in tangent. Jared's playing this song for me, and I'm crying. I'm going, why am I crying? It's embarrassing. And you know what hit me was in this song, all of a sudden people started coming, and they're singing. They're all playing. I'm going to use what I my interpretation of this. They're all playing different parts, but it's all sound comes in and makes the same sound. Does that make sense? Is that right? How it works? Somebody who played in a symphony. You know, I, I started to ask Robbie then to do this. Okay, can, could the drummer just play? And if you pick the song out that we all knew and the drummer just played, who was playing today? David. David's just playing. He's just playing his drums. Could you pick out the song? Probably not. We could come over here and who was playing bass? Mark Shimizono was playing the bass. I said, all right, Mark, play your part. Could you pick out the song? Maybe. I couldn't probably. I... Then each part you could come along and but all, but all of a sudden you start putting all the parts in symphony together. Guess what? It makes it makes a beautiful sound. The other day, we were, I was speaking this with all the, the apostolic team. We're in the room upstairs, and I said, I want you all listen to this. And so we're playing that, that sound, and we got it going on my computer. And somebody's cell phone was sitting on the table, and all of a sudden, it does a ring and a vibrate. And right while this song, and it, and it sounded like a sound that was trying to be there, but it wasn't. It wasn't in harmony. Any two agree. Where? And what do you want to be on? In, look, notice what it says. You want to be in symphony agreement on earth about anything. Y'all, that Greek word for anything is not the normal Greek word for anything. I know you, I keep saying that, y'all. It's just been lately. It's been everything that I'm saying that's not the normal Greek word. Sorry about that. But it's, but it's two words put together that to form this anything. And if you'll notice in your notes there, it's a, anything or any matter. It's literally an action, deed, or legal matter. Notice that, 1 Corinthians 6, 1, where it talks about in, in uh, if you have a case against your neighbor and you take them before the court, that is this Greek word. So if you've got 
symphony agreement with heaven about a matter. In other words, that was crazy to me that they were singing this song today. What was the song they were singing? Huh? What? Truth. You remember what they were saying? Truth. What what was the, the interpretation of the tongues that came out? Heather had what? Truth. Truth. Because so what the thing is, y'all, is for crucial for us to start asking. I mean, for us to start binding and loosening is for us to be taking the decrees of heaven, be in harmo- symph- symphonic harmony har- or something or another of heaven. I'm stretching myself here. Or whatever they ask. Two, they're hearing what heaven's saying. And this is what God's been saying to me. Rick, have you been hearing the voice of heaven? And here's what, I, here's what I've been doing, y'all. And I don't know if you've been guilty of this. I've been going out and trying to bind and loosen. And I'm not hearing the symphonic thing from heaven. How many times, Mitch, you've been alongside me and I've been binding and loosening and you're, in it, you're clueless about what I'm doing. There have been a few times of that. It's not only got to do with heaven, it's got to do with heaven's gift to us. In fact, I'll show you that in a second. And y'all, I don't have time to go into this, but we could go on and on and on about this. Let me ask you a real quick question you see in the notes there. How do I get into symphonic agreement with heaven? It was interesting to me in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, in the early church, day of Pentecost, y'all, that's kingdom of God when the Pentecost, day of Pentecost comes. You know what they're doing? They're together in one accord. And what are they doing? Praying. You want to hear the symphonic arrangement of heaven? Just sit down and pray. No, don't ask requests. Listen. Listen. How do you do it? Worship. What did Peter and John, not Peter, 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 Paul, Paul and Barnabas, they got arrested. They got thrown into prison. What did they do? They heard the symphonic arrangement of heaven. By what? Worshiping the Lord. Y'all, we believe that probably the next series after this is to be prayer and worship. Because why? How can we bind and loose? How can we release the resources of heaven? How can we, unless we hear the voice of heaven? Let me just declare this real quick. In verse 20, where it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. Can I I say something here? This whole sermon, this whole series has been about what? Kingdom of God. Seek ye first what? This is important. I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to. Don't ask me to go further than what I'm going to say. When you're praying about a matter, don't pray about the the solution. Pray for the kingdom of God to come. One Monday morning from hell, Monday night from hell, I had one of those days. I go in, I open an envelope, in the, and I may have shared this testimony with y'all, but I open an envelope, and it saw, it saw Rick owes $185,000 due on Saturday. Y'all, that was Monday. I didn't have $185,000. I don't know if I had $185. But I owed $185,000, and the bank's going to ask for that $185,000 on, well, thank God it was Saturday. That was the date that it was on it, and praise God it was a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a holiday weekend, and so the Tuesday's when the banks would reopen, so I'm thinking, I at least got that. But the Lord said to me right at that moment, he said, what do you need? You don't need $185,000. You need me. You got a choice. Seek ye first $185,000 or seek ye first what? So I start praying about a matter. I'm hearing the voice of heaven and I start asking for it to be answered. Let me say it to you. I'll hear this. Very, very important. This is probably one of the most important statements I'm going to say today. When you pray, 
in harmony with heaven. You bind and loosen. It says it will be the kingdom of heaven will manifest itself. But here's the important thing. Sometimes the kingdom of heaven does not manifest itself in the way that we're thinking or asking. Let me give you an example. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows right what's before him. He prays, Father, all things are possible for you. If possible, let this what? Let this cup pass from me. You don't read, you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. You read that, and you don't hear the Father saying anything to him. And it seems that heaven is silent. But you know what? You read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, that he was heard, that God heard his prayers. Now, I don't want to, I'm not going to go on any further, but I want to say this. You pray about a matter, the kingdom of God will come. The kingdom of God will come. Just make sure that here's the, th- the trick, is that you're not, you're, you're seeking first the kingdom and its righteousness and that. And then, then, then what happens, y'all? That's when on that Thursday after that, I'm in, at Aaron Elam. Where's Aaron? I saw her earlier. I was at Aaron's house with John and Marcy, and we're sitting there at their kitchen table talking, and all of a sudden my phone rings. And I recognized that a lawyer that I was dealing with over in Roanoke. And this lawyer, and I said, I said to John and Marcy, excuse me, I need to go answer this. For a year and a half, I'd been working on a conservation easement, the whole big crazy thing that I was working on. I go there, I pull the phone up, open, says, this lawyer's name was Stephen. I said, hey, Stephen, what's up? He said, Rick, I got some money for you. I said, you do? He said, Man, he says, yeah. How much? $185,000. I'm not exaggerating now. 185,000. I said, can I come and get it? (laughs) I didn't need $185,000. I needed who? But let me ask you a question. What if that phone call never came? The kingdom of God would come. What happened to Dave Ramsey? Did the kingdom of God come in Dave Ramsey's life? Yes, it came, and it took all things and caused it to work out for what? Not only for him, but many of those who heard him and seen him. The kingdom of God came. So I'm not going to sit here and just try to present some magical formula that always looks out good. On the short side, you will do have a promise. It will work out good somewhere, some way, some way, shape, or form. I don't have time. Y'all, I know this is long and laboring. Y'all can read the notes. You can take it. But I just want to say this. Gather together in the name of Jesus, y'all. I just want to to ask you this. You'll notice on the notes there it says gathered in the name of Jesus. Two parts. One is we're gathering in the nature and character of who he is. You start loving one. We start loving one on one another, speaking with one another, mercy and grace. I guarantee you what? Kingdom of God will show up in our midst. I remember one time... Geneva and Ralph, we were over at Jerry and Pat's house one night. Pat had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. She'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit, couldn't speak in tongues. We just started loving on her, not trying to force anything. God showed up and did a massive miracle out of heaven. I'm talking about we heard, we heard a verbalization of angels singing in heaven. When she, it was just crazy. Because why? We gather together in the nature and character of God. And then the other one is in the nature of the source of Jesus. And and so I'm sorry this went long, but I'm not preaching for a month or two. So so, uh, so I just want to ask you to, y'all, take these notes and pull us Acts 17.11 because those in Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures to see whether these things are so. Y'all, I'm going to say this to you. Don't do this. Take the keys and put them on a hook and forget about them. Really, don't. You've got things in your lives that need to be loosened, and you've got things in your life that need to be bound into it. 
So have an effect. So can I pray for you? Mitch, you got anything to add into this? You got the microphone. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, go ahead. But never mind. Yeah, let me pray. Jesus. Lord, I pray that uh, every one of us in this, this room, Lord, may hear the reality of this and go, Lord, first off, to call it a lie, judge what I've said and see whether it's true. But, Lord, we believe that the effect and the fullness of your kingdom is real. And so, Lord, we ask that let your kingdom come. We declare, let your kingdom come. We bind that into our lives in the name of Jesus over this church, over our children in this church. Lord, over every person, Lord, let your kingdom come. So, God, we ask, Lord, that uh, give us clarity. And, Lord, let not passivity come about on this concerning this subject. Either rebuke it, call it a lie, or, Lord, accept it and put it into action. So, God, we just pray in the name of Jesus, awaken our hearts to put into action the things that you, the keys that you have given us to loosen all the resources of heaven. For you have declared that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So, Lord, let those come about into our lives that we may live and exist blessed of the Most High God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so if I-